I forget. There was some some because you were carrying on about how bleak it is. I was like, we're we just gonna do a cold open where we're just like very very NPR about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Candy Coated Razor Blades. Hi, my name is Alex, and I've really loved this movie for a really long time. It's wonderful. It's a really good movie. I really, I really enjoy the way the movie used cinematography. <laughs> the, visual, <laughs> the visuals in this film were simply perfect. And I think they were exquisite. Film, I really loved how they worked out. I think this film has a lot to say about the about the situation of the urban youth today. Yes, the, the true vampire experience. Mm. It, it has a lot to say about about youth. It's the way and, we've... And color. Fuck I, you, I, Stephanie Meyer. I didn't mean... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to speak over you. But I believe... I believe this is about how black youth are the vampires of the culture and we are sucking the blood from them. It's a reverse vampire situation. And now, now to our field correspondent, Sammy View. <laughs> ow! 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 Oh. While we have you here, listeners, this is our spring fun drive. <laughs> We're only able to do these podcasts by your support. If you support $10 or more now, there is a free NPR candy coated razor blade tote bag. <laughs> Filled with an assortment of condoms and the personal lubricant. <laughs> All of our personal lubricants are not animal tested and are safe for both oral and anal use. <laughs> we use only the finest USDA approved organic bespoke artisan lubes. It is both vegan and gluten-free. My face and my side hurts, please. There were no, there were no GMOs available for that lubrication. <laughs> and you can vape it. Those are also vape friendly. <laughs> <laughs> Hi kids, it's Candy Coated Razor Blades. This is Bob, the source of the sucking noises in public restrooms. And here are my co-hosts. Hi, I'm Alex, and I love True Blood. <laughs> Fuck you, Milo. Fuck you for your hatred of True Blood. <laughs> and I'm Andy. Ow. And I want to poop back and forth. Like, I'll poop into her butthole, and she'll poop it back. <laughs> into my butthole and then we'll just keep doing it back and forth no. with the same poop oh, God. forever forever oh. oh my god so today kids we are talking about a bleak little number called the transfiguration uh, found on netflix go ahead and deep me uh, alex so, The Transfiguration, which is directed and written by Michael O'Shea, starring Eric Ruffin as Milo, Chloe Levine as Sophie, and Aaron Clifton Moten as Lewis. Also, Jellybean, who is uh, Sophie's do- friend's dog. Who doesn't even oh, really show Who got in this movie. third billing on yeah. IMDb. Third <laughs> billing. I'd also like to point out that if you go to Eric Ruffin's IMDb page, Transfiguration does not show. At all, like oh it's like way buried deep. Like, oh yeah, he maybe was in that movie. But yeah. if you go to Chloe Levine's, known for Transfiguration, right on the front uh, page. Right? Is, I actually, I actually hit her page. There's like one other thing that she had been in that I'd kind of, sort of heard of, like a TV show I somewhere. I recognized her, and I didn't even go to look yeah. to see what she was. Oh, in. she was in Marvel's The Defenders, That's and it. she was on uh, the OA that. Um, miniseries, Netflix original. Yeah, okay. which were both after this movie would have been filmed. Right. Actually, she's been in 27 things. Holy crap. She actually has a career. Oh, my God. She's a top. (laughs) 
Someone Ow. had to be in this movie. Someone. Right, so, so we're gonna warn you first off. Bob is a little high, just not from not from pot this time. Um, Bob had <laughs> surgery and is on pain medication. So there's that. I love that we have to clarify what you're high on. <laughs> this has happened frequently enough that we're like, oh wait, what kind is it? Oh, it's oh, it's barbiturates. Okay, yeah. cool. So, so don't expect a whole lot of energy out of Bob. And in fact, Bob hurts a lot. So you're gonna hear Al. So many times. Before we dig into uh, again, this movie is so bleak. Oh so God. bleak. Bob, you're like you're you're telegraphing your hatred of the film already. I, I don't hate the film though. I don't. I it's just very it's not I find fun this movie watch. very hopeful okay. and inspiring <laughs> to the children. To at least one of them. I believe the children are a future Bob. <laughs> but that only really works if you teach them well. And let them lead the way. Show them all. <laughs> the beauty they possess inside. Oh, fuck you. Go Particularly with a scalpel. <laughs> and a sense of pride. You know... To make it easier? Really? Why don't we just let <laughs> the children's laughter <laughs> remind us Oh, how God. it used to be. Oh, fuck you, Whitney Houston. Go on with your synopsis. <laughs> well, I think we wanted to start by talking about why I picked this movie. Yeah, that's yes, a really, please. Yes. So, this, I, I saw trailers for this movie early 2017. Okay. Are you, are you suggesting that you decided long ago? <laughs> <laughs> I, I really did never to walk in anyone's shadow. <laughs> if this movie fails, if oh. I succeed. Oh, my God. At least oh I know God. that I believed. Go, go. <laughs> so I saw the trailers for this early 2017, about the same time that I saw the trailers for The Void, which we already covered. Yeah. Um, they kind of used to play back to back when I was going to the Gateway. Well, that a lot. was a long time ago. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and I, I was really excited with this movie. I love vampires. I've always been a vampire person. So, mm-hmm. crazy vampire movie. The trailer also kind of sells a different film than you get. Yeah. Um, a little bit, yeah. It, it does actually. Um, well, again, from from watching the trailer, I became convinced of the headcanon that uh, Milo and Lewis are actually the kids from Me and You and Everybody We Know. <sighs> Hence, the pooping back and forth line making it, uh, its appearance this on this final. Uh, yes. Um, oh, memes. What would it, we do without it's, you? I saw it. I loved it. I actually went to that theater because I went alone. Because God forbid, no one would have gone to see this with me. <laughs> and I just kind of went. I want to. I want other people to see this movie and I want to talk about this movie because I really felt things about it and I loved it, but I was like, no one, I have to like describe the whole film to people before they could even, you know, start to understand what I was talking about. So here we are today. That speaks to my hipsterdom because I didn't know anything about it. And then I, I watched the trailer and like read the synopsis and thought, oh, that sounds really neat. And so like, this is, this is the kind of movie that is just like, Made specifically to appeal to me, and I, and I had not heard I mean, anything about it until you mentioned it for the podcast. So I feel like that's almost a lie because I, I imagine I had to have told you about wanting to go see it multiple times last year, possibly. <laughs> but because I was still living here at the time, yeah. So I feel like I had to have like talked about wanting to see it a lot, but who knows? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm sure you blocked most of that out. You were just like Alex is talking about it in the movie. I'm not going to see. Get you now, Bob. You saw it. <laughs> <laughs> but so, um, it's it, this is, and we'll we'll talk more about it. This is one of those movies that I I did thoroughly enjoy. I don't know if I could actually recommend it to someone else. Well, we'll see how it goes. So yeah, hmm. you're you're the one who most often changes your mind through the review, and sometimes weeks later. It's true. I'm a Gemini. I do that all the time. All right. 
So the movie begins with Milo, a young African-American boy. Uh, what age do you think he is? 14. Probably 14. I guess 15. <clears throat> so that makes sense. I forget what synopsis. Or somewhere in a synopsis it was mentioned that he was 14. Okay. So um, I just went with that. Slurping the blood from an older white man in a bathroom stall. As you do. <laughs> Another fellow in the bathroom believes the slurping is of a more sexual nature and quickly leaves. <laughs> <laughs> after peeking. Yeah, yeah, after looking, of course. Yeah. Um, and I just want to point out... Voyeurism is participation. <laughs> and also, if, if he knew the first thing about having sex in a bathroom stall, he would have known that just from the placement of the shoes alone, that was not what was going on. Yeah, that was, it, it was an interesting thought of, like, what was he slurping on? Like, hmm. is this some titty action? What's Maybe. happening here? And that is a kind of expert commentary that we on Candy Coated Razor Blades are dedicated to bringing <laughs> on a weekly basis. <laughs> Donate now. Yes, yes. If you donate more than $50, <laughs> along with the free tote bag, you will also receive our Candy Coated Razor Blades calendar. <laughs> all, the, all the pictures are of Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. Uh, so Milo then robs the man in the stall and leaves him dead with blood gushing from his <laughs> neck. He goes home and begins to watch what is the continual strange website that just has uh, predators killing and eating prey in any form possible. Worst YouTube channel ever. I know. Um, he hides his money in his grocery bag behind his precious vampire VHS collection and vomits, goes to bed. Yeah. The next day, um, he meets with the school counselor right before the end, the end of the year, the beginning of summer, where they discuss his previous animal abuse and the fact that he has no friends besides his brother Lewis, who... Never appears to leave the couch except for that one time. Never does. He's well. There's the one scene where he goes, "I'm heading out for a little while," and then he's not in the apartment. Oh, but other than that, every time we see him, he's sitting on the. Couch. I actually, right. I have no memory of ever seeing him not in that apartment. No, because you don't see it. That he just says, "Milo, I'm heading out for a little while," and then you hear the door close, and uh, that's when right. Milo like pulls out a book and looks at the calendar. And, oh, right. But, he never leaves his room, so maybe he, heading out for a little while just meant he went to the other side of the couch. We don't really know. Maybe. Um, Milo, he, I'm, I'm going to be sitting very quietly masturbating. You can look at your serial killer trophies now. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> so after leaving school, he's accosted by bullies and pissed on. Yeah. Randomly. Right. Yeah. Um, Not he, randomly. Well. <laughs> he's targeted quite specifically. He, he really is. We then see him dealing with his brother who expects Milo to take care of everything, including all bills and grocery-related activities. We also see him writing in a book about the rules and weaknesses. Of vampires. Of vampires, yes. He, it actually isn't titled yet. Right. Oh, it, just, right. it says rules, weaknesses, and he's starting to write. So Fair enough. It's not yet revealed. So he left yeah. that hanging specifically so you and I would chime in and he could he could drop that on us. <laughs> you Well bitch. played. We fell into his trap. We did. So uh, let's talk about the beginning, at least that part. Traps like these are not cheap, dear listener. Please no. donate now. It does take at least 14 of you donating for our tote bag level before we can create more <laughs> traps of this nature. He is, after all, the jigsaw killer oh because he's a Capricorn. <laughs> more hard hitting reporting just like this available with your donation. Ow! <laughs> bitches! Stop! If we get five of you donating up to 10000 at the boat level, okay. that means Bob will buy a boat with your money. <laughs> we may be able to do two podcasts a week as we would begin to start paying Andy a semi-livable wage. So I just want to point out to our listeners who are aware of our, our, normal, our normal habits that, that, that when we start really fucking around, it's because we hate the movie. That's not the case here. I love this movie and it's actually a really great movie. It's just that this is episode's probably going to be fairly deep divey, and like half of us are sick, and so like, yeah. we're just like d- d- stick with it. I'm still semi inflated. 
that's good. Well, that's what they do for hernia surgery. <coughs> they inflate you so that they can get in there with the tools and snip and sew. I don't remember that. However, now my crotch is bulletproof. Yay! Yay! Because <laughs> I'm sure you were using your crotch to stop bullets. Exactly. On a pew, regular pew, basis. Pew, pew. It's like Wonder Woman's uh, gauntlets. Yes. But uh, like her crotch. bracelets of whatever. Like, exactly. Except that they're like... Get one, those visuals out of your head now, one kids. One around each testicle. It's like a separator. <laughs> and actually, and your dick is the last of truth. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but anyway, so, all right, so this kid who we can already firmly establish is a serial killer, is mentally uh, ill. Okay. Um, so it. We can't establish that he's mentally ill because there's no proof that serial killers are, yeah. by def- definition. Um, he's got some mad PTSD happening. Yes. Well, his brother does, definitely. Well, his brother does for, for different reasons. Yeah. Uh, yeah. His brother does because his brother was... Was believe, in the war. Was a, yeah. 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 He was in Af- Afghanistan. Right. Yeah. Um, his... And I realize... I, I think I'm revealing this a little bit early. It is a little early because so we fa- don't go into his... But it's so foundational yeah. that is, we might yeah. as well just bring it up. It, they, his, they, they do a great job of playing out this story throughout. Right. So you don't pick up on it right away. Right. Right. Because was the first thing you notice is, well... Where the fuck is mom and dad? And and eventually the story, the movie does tell you. I figure we should probably, since we're talking about him and why he is who he is, is it yeah, okay to talk about him now? Yeah, I don't care. Uh, his mother, his mother committed suicide. Uh, she 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 cut her wrist, and right. he actually discovered the body. Yeah. So PTSD. Hello, everybody. And his dad. I think his dad die or leave. I forget. His dad. So he explains this. His dad died kind of... when he was three years old. Okay, that's right. Uh, no, when he was six years old. But when he was three years old, he got an illness. So he was oh, basically yeah. sick for all yeah. of Miles' childhood. Long illness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then died at that age. I assume cancer. Right. So yeah. our our boy Milo did not have. Uh, no. no. Is not a nor- not a has not held, had a healthy childhood. Not at all. And he's living in a part of New York. That immediately brings to mind the word projects. I don't know if that's a word that gets used anymore. I don't yeah, know I my mean, New York topology that well. It's yeah. a big ass building into which a whole lot of people have been confined. Like, it's a slum. Here's your house. Is, here's where you live. It is a surprisingly good apartment for that kind of building. Yeah. yeah. And that's, 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 that is because it has all, more than one bedroom, one bedroom that they don't even use. That yeah. is all their parents. And it could have, I don't think it does, but it very well could have had a third bedroom that we don't see off screen. Yeah. Because unless his unless Lewis his just sleeps is just on, the on the bed, the yeah. on the couch, I mean, yeah. like, or they used to share that room. Because mom's, mom's room is left untouched. Yeah, I would yeah. assume there would have been two beds in the in the bedroom if at one point Lewis and uh, Milo shared. Yeah. I don't know. Because usually even... Because I've known a lot of people who were in small places like that, and they had the two beds. And the two beds never go away, even if right. one child is completely gone. Because it's not like you throw away a bed. Right. True. So, I, I don't know. Yeah. That was just the only thing. is like, very well, there could have been a third bedroom to the right that we never see. Sure. Yeah. But it it's... Yeah. This kid did not have a good childhood. No. But it, it, the question that... The, the, the counselor is asking, have you hurt any more animals or thought about it lately? That's one of the primary signs of serial killer. Well, yeah, the so, yeah. triangle. Yeah. It's a, and it's, it's yeah, there's a, definitely a way that the trauma some, will often come out. And, yeah, just, you start out harming animals and then you move up to harming um, people. And, yeah. Uh, so I've heard. I haven't actually done it myself. 
that anybody knows of. That we like well, we needed that disclaimer. It's, um, <laughs> it's like harming animals and bedwetting, and there's a third one that I always forget. But the bedwetting is usually a big indicator. Yeah. yeah, and he doesn't appear to have that issue. In the case of my ex, it was bestiality mods in Skyrim. That is that's that's obviously the fourth part of the triangle. It really is. That's actually what makes it a Star of David. The other triangle shows up. <laughs> it's like beast mods in Skyrim. <laughs> Playing an orc in, in oh, I'm sorry. World of Warcraft. Zoophilia mods in Skyrim. <laughs> oh, okay. I wouldn't 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 want to accidentally offend like a horse fucker. Sorry, guys. So my bad. All right. The nine early warning signs for serial killers. Uh, <laughs> is, is that a BuzzFeed article? No, it's Crime it Museum. Should be. Crimemuseum.org. <laughs> okay. Should be. And then it just has like clips from Sex and the City like, showing you all nine of them. Be like yeah. IO9. <laughs> yeah. So antisocial behavior. You won't believe what number seven is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fucking clickbait. Um, antisocial behavior, which this kid was very withdrawn yeah. from his school society. He's like, can I go? Yeah. I just don't want to well, tell people. He's he's very well adjusted to being antisocial. Yeah, he is. He's got like well, he's just he's just got his armor on all the yeah. time. Yeah, that's and uh, I can relate. Like, uh, he's, he, yeah. Yes. Yeah, arson is in there. We didn't see a sign of that. No, he doesn't appear to do any kind of property damage. Yeah. Torturing small animals. Yes. Poor family life. Yes. Childhood abuse. We don't know. I but, don't. I don't think he was abused. Well, there's also the question. Um, he was certainly. He was certainly targeted for very, very extreme bullying, which yes. is its own form of it abuse. Is, it, it, is it is abuse, but it's not abuse from the family. Yeah, so, yeah. true. But at the same time... It is abuse. I will also, oh, that's the other part of the triangle, family abuse. Uh, yeah. But I'll also say, though, that um, the fact that he was three when his dad got sick and his dad spent three years dying, so there could certainly be... I imagine in that kind of a situation, like everything gets diverted to the sick dad. Yeah. And so like I could, I could see that being... A neglect situation. Uh, and not even, yeah, not even like a willful or it's just the yeah. fact that with, you know, it's, so, it's just they, that's that's not an environment that kids are going to be. What's yeah. the shit, podcast? Subs, uh, let's see. Next one is substance abuse. Uh, he does drink in the movie. I don't think only he's... Only drinks dead. socially. Right. He only drinks socially. Um, voyeurism. He watches a whole lot of that YouTube channel. Um, yeah, and his vampire movie. But is his is that voyeurism or is that him like training? Voyeurism, sadomasochism, pornography, and fetishism. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, his his yeah. his obsession with the realism of vampire movies leads me suggests to me that yeah. is definitely a lot of both. Yeah, and I I think a lot of that is his mental state and where you want to take him yeah. because he and the last two really don't count. <laughs> I know. Last two really don't count. We're going to talk about intelligence and shiftlessness, but continue with your point. Oh, my, um, he very much has an idea of who he is in the world and has decided that he is correct and builds his, his movie, his movies he watches and his ideas about vampires about himself. Yeah. Now, I think. I know. I. Go. I sort of agree. I think there's a, a major difference, um. Because I think what I mostly get from him is that there is a very, very strong sense of wanting to be other than what he is, which is why he fantasizes about being a vampire. Yeah. It's that kind of power fantasy. He's, he lives in fairly monstrous surroundings. Um, he lives, you know, and it deals with a lot of monstrous behavior from other people every day. Mm -hmm. And so his power fantasy is that he is going to be the biggest, baddest monster on the block. Right. Um, 
not for nothing are all of his victims. His victims are all white men. Yeah, he mm-hmm. has a thing yeah. for men. He does. Yes, and he really does like. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's and I uh, this oversharing time. Like uh, when I was around that age, like I ran around with a bunch of my friends, and we were all like, you know, swearing up and down, pretending that we were like X Men mutants and shit. Yeah, I went through a phase of wishing I could be a werewolf. Like all of this stuff. It's this whole like it's this, it's a sense of being so unhappy with who you are that you have to fantasize about being something other. Yes. And I I completely agree. I just think he, in this specific situation, and I have a couple other questions in my head that this movie brings up to me that I almost, that funny enough, from the first time I saw it to I saw it this morning, I had actually remembered some of the things I decided happened as being things in the movie. Hmm. And when I saw that they weren't, I was like, oh, fun. I just thought that was the case because I really feel it. Um, and But what I love about the writing, Michael O'Shea's writing, and we'll get into it as, as we keep going, he, this boy, every opportunity he gets, tells someone everything he's thinking and feeling. Yep. And yes. everything that he believes, he confesses every time someone talks to him. Yeah. Even his brother, even the counselor. Yeah. And he's... and. I just, when I read him and I read this movie, I take a lot of that at face value for what he believes of himself. Of course. And I think, I I almost, my headcanon just for this much of the movie so far is that his dad liked vampire movies. Hmm. And he watched them with his sick dad. And then between like six and we'll say 12, he kept watching them. And then somewhere in there, he decided he was, he could be a vampire. And that's when it, the script flipped and it wasn't about watching vampires. It was about, I am this vampire. How can I make this work and still be me? Right. I mean, I obviously can't fly. I can't jump. I don't have teeth. So I have to make, and that's where his realistic thing comes yeah. from. I think yeah. um, the only part, the, the only th- part of the movie that I, that I think kind of gain says that a little bit is just because, because of the title that it is transfiguration. He is about transforming himself into a vampire. Yes. Hence the monthly, like the calendar he has yeah. to do it at a certain interval. Yeah. It's every month, um, but it's not quite a month. It's always different days. I think full moon. It seems to be full moon. Is it that, is that yeah. what it is? Okay. Well, so I'm not sure where he got that twisted up from, but, and also my head canon is again, um, he was unable to realize his dream of pooping back and forth forever. And so he realized that the way to be able to poop back and forth forever, you have to be able to live forever. Therefore, vampire. Vampire. No. It's, it's, this is, it's, it's, it's right there on the screen, kids. It's true. So (laughs) from, oh, did you want to talk about those last two? Intelligence. He's obviously very intelligent. Very much. um, Yeah. Let me pull it back up. He's the kind of intelligent where he's probably bad at school because he's just actually too. I thought I remembered him. I thought I remembered him getting good grades. We never really, I don't think we ever talk about grades. They don't really talk about his grades, but he is intelligent. And I think they mentioned that he is intelligent. I mean, he he goes Um, up to the roof to study and does that. He's always reading writing. He's keeping that journal, basically. He reads a lot of. Um, Speaking of, anytime anybody owns more than two of those black cop journals, they pretty much just need to be picked up by the cops right then and there and investigated because that is like serial killer red flag at at any point in my life i swear i promise you not those i hate those cop journals but i have like up to 12 journals like different (laughs) versions and realities everywhere but so so it says here intelligence most many serial killers have iqs in the bright normal range so they're they're not i mean because they kill methodically and they keep their their tracks covered sort of thing they kind of have to not all serial Not all of them. Eileen Muranos was a dumb lesbian. Oh, she, yeah. <laughs> she, she was not bright. Oh, yeah. She's not bright at all. 
Uh, but shiftlessness, I, he's not old enough for me to see this in him, and they didn't really... He doesn't. Because shiftlessness, according to this, is despite having higher than normal intelligence, many serial killers have trouble keeping jobs and work in unskilled labor. So this is what I feel like with him. I'm starting to worry that I might be a serial killer and just not know it. Oh, well... He- <laughs> You see, the difference is serial killers kill people and meet these criteria. Yes. Oh! Yeah. <coughs> so I think the big difference is he is does not appear to be lacking in empathy. Right. He at no point appears to be sociopathic about dealing with people. Right. Which is where shiftlessness would come in. If you have no empathy, if you just think you're so smart and you are obviously better, it's hard to be under people. It's oh, yeah. hard to keep a job that you're not you know, torturing others exactly. to make yourself happy. And I don't think, even the people he kills, I don't think he sees them as much as being lesser, as much as he just, I think he has a thing about being a disenfranchised black kid yeah. and not liking rich white people. Who, well, except for the hobo he killed. Um, I think that was more about, at that point, he was he had a mission. Yeah. Um, but his mm. targets do seem to be ex- exclusively, not only just white men, but older, older white, white men. men. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And frequently... Abusive. Yeah, their, their behavior And the, the patterns, hobo tried yeah. to steal from him. He did? If yeah. the hobo didn't try to steal, do you think he would have opened his eyes? Because he didn't yeah. go for the kill until that moment. Yeah. Oh, fun fact. That hobo is Lloyd Kaufman from Trauma. Oh my God, is it really? It really yeah. is. <laughs> and, Lloyd Kaufman. And then later on, the victim with the child is uh, Larry Fessenden. Fessenden. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, so like, yeah, this is like a little New York party. It's, yeah. a, little, it's a little indie party. Basically, well, yeah, I mean, that's what you got to do. This, Michael, this movie had money. Like, yeah. not a lot of money, not but much, enough money it's to all look shot, beautiful. Yeah. It's shot handheld. Um, it's a little shaky. A lot I will shaky. say that. And there's also this great unintentional Dutch angle. In the like, they're in the, when they're, they're in the hallway of the building, when uh, it's one of the scenes when, and we're way, jumping way ahead, right. when Milo is picking up Sophie in one of the, um, in one of those scenes. Where the handheld is kind of like from around the corner, and it comes in around the corner, yes. and it starts to tilt and take on that yeah. Dutch angle thing. Yeah. And well, I don't know if that was accidental or not, but it was really cool. So, well, like the handheld is like a double-edged sword. Just talking about the handheld and jumping ahead, the scene yeah. with the little kid and the ball. Yeah, mm-hmm. that scene is one of the shakiest. Just oh, like yeah. the camera tilts a couple times, and like you can almost see the cameraman moving to get yeah. the better shot. Yeah. I like it because it feels as raw as this movie feels, and it also seems to be like the the camera tends to be, take on more motion when he's uh, when when Milo is yes yeah with the music with the almost non existent music until he's hunting the music. Yeah. Oh, I swear to God, it's almost it reminds me of like early throbbing gristle. It's it, like it really reminds great me of, of what um, John Carpenter thinks he sounds like. Yes. It's like it's what John yeah. Carpenter in his head thinks. Right. Now it comes out. So it's it's like basically John Carpenter minus the cheese. Yes. And then you end up with yeah. like that good dirty seventies synth, mm-hmm. uh analog synth. It just go listen to Throbbing Grizzle, kids, you'll like it. Actually, no, you <laughs> won't. You won't like it, but I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> And, yeah. and of course, making Andy happy is the the most important thing. I actually if it have either of you seen Moonlight yet? No. Yes. So I think not color, but just filming, mm. this is shot very similar to Moonlight. I don't disagree. And in Moonlight, god damn I love Moonlight. It's so good. Um I, yeah, it's on the list. This one um this one kind of deals in the sort of urban decay in a way that, I mean, I guess Moonlight kind of does too. Moonlight but, almost deals more with the gay. Yeah, Moonlight is more, inter- that is more interested in the characters yeah. 
Um, this movie is more interested in the transfiguration. Is more interested in the in the environment too, yeah. because when yeah. they're doing street scenes, like horns and police sirens and whatever will intrude upon yes. the dialogue. Yeah, and I don't know if they. It doesn't sound like they were ADR'd in. No, I think they it actually sounds just, like they were like lit mic'd. I yeah. think that yeah, I think they just shot at street level, mm-hmm. and just what they got is what they got. Yeah, this movie is almost not is almost one hundred percent natural light. Yeah, like they use a lot of natural shot. Yeah, um, and going back to the camera work, and then I promise I'll stop nerding You're about fine. that. That great shot um, in the is it junkyard when he and, when he and Sophie are walking in the junkyard. Oh, I refer to it as a field. Um, there was actually like like a couch a, and rec- near a bridge. Um, it, 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 it's, no, this is, this it's is not an official that. junkyard, but it's a junkyard. No, because there's like a, there's like boats and stuff and stuff in the background. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it does it, a yeah. big, a big, long kind of pathway, yes. dirt pathway yes. sort of road yeah. thing running diagonally through the frame. And you can see both sides of it. And they're actually walking and talking for about 45 seconds before you see either of them. Yes. And then they come into frame and they just pass through. those. So there's this big virtuoso long shot where the camera is still handheld but it's being held really steadily yeah and they, it's really they brought well out the tripod for that one yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just really really interesting mm-hmm. I like that they just took a moment to put that scene in there and I liked it I I want to see what this guy does yeah if, if he if somebody ever gives him money to make a movie I'm interested in his gonna career be for sure this yeah. he got all right. So he then meets Sophie moving into his apartment building. Um, she is disheveled and he helps her move on to the ninth floor because she's too much of a girl to lift her backs. Oh my God. Um, Milo next finds her in a field being willingly gang banged by a number of drinking white men. Mm-hmm. They look like college students, but yeah. it's hard to say. Um, he gives her time to compose herself and then approaches to find her lonely and cutting herself. Yeah. Um, he talks about her cutting, and she thinks he's talking about the sex. Yeah. yeah. And it's an awkward conversation. He then kind of tries to taste her blood. He tries He tries to get on the Andy. He really right. does. He right. really tries to taste her blood, and she's not quite feeling it. But not she's, quite. She's just it's happy. sweet, but gross. Yeah. She's happy to have someone not wanting to fuck her, so I think she went with this. Right. Um, yeah. They go back to uh, his place where... Um, she recommends Twilight upon seeing his Ugh. love of vampires. Fuck you, Stephanie Meyer. Which is just the funniest thing because they talk about Twilight a lot. They do, and actually, the, the Twilight and True Blood as well. But yeah. they yeah. serve a very important, like, thematic purpose in oh, this yeah. movie. Yes, which we'll talk about toward the end. Um, sure. He then shows Sophie a video about butchering, which uh, very clearly freaks her out. Does yep. not turn her on. Not at no, all. No, the crazy butchering. And later, um, Milo is seen trying to avoid her. We then get the first flashback of what may be behind that closed door that Lewis will not let Milo stare at for any period of time. Yeah. Milo then goes to a park and eventually kills a man under a bridge and drinks his blood. Yep. And does not appear at any other point except for the last couple scenes to vomit blood ever again. That's a really good point. Yeah. Because I have, I have a whole theory. So okay. I'm saving it. But I have a thing yeah. with that. I have a, a headcanon that's right. exactly what I thought happened that didn't, oh. that I believe happened. Yeah. So so we have we have this this new figure in his life. And we know that he is antisocial. We know that he does not get along with anyone else. But she is also kind of in the same boat he is. So that's like, you know, two ships bumping in the night sort well, of thing. You almost wonder, is he antisocial because of his choice? Or is he so used to it at this point that the first person who, like, asks him and talks to him, he is ready to be like, hey, I'll be friends with you. Well, I Actually, think, I think, I think the, the deal is, is she doesn't know him the way the people in his neighborhood do, and the people in his neighborhood know that he was torturing animals. Um, That's mentioned. 
Yeah, um, they, but they call him a freak for all that reason. They call, yeah, but they behavior. also could have called him a freak just because he is antisocial. Just yeah, because yeah. he went through having both parents die before the age of 14. Right. He, yeah, he's not at all respected. And, and he's abused by the people in his community. So, yeah, there's that. But then we've got Sophie, who's new to the community, but who is still also abused. Well, she's abused by a family member, for one. Yeah. And she's also instant outcast because, well, she's a white girl moving into this particular building. Exactly. And Living with that angry angry white man on the ninth floor. And there's a lot. And there, there's some some comments, uh, some dropped lines, you know, the, Jungle Fever and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was interesting. At first, it was like, oh, this movie's actually not really commenting on race or anything. It's just kind of there. And yeah. then and then Sophie turns up and like, oh, nope, we're commenting on race, too. Okay. Yeah. A little, and I, and it's, it's, it's not wrong that it should. No. And um, it's not heavy-handed. It's not it's, at all. It's not like they put too much salt in the soup. I think it's on the level that I suspect, I should say, because I'm not actually black and can't claim to speak for anybody like who is. But, like, I have a feeling that... The way that it's presented in the movie is that people in the movie are dealing with race kind of on the level that people in that situation are dealing with race every day anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the way the police act toward everybody, the, um, the way that they act toward uh, yeah. Sophie. I'm, I'm just That's just the vibe I get. Yeah. Race is used in this movie almost as like a manipulative card you can play. Yeah. yeah. A lot of times. Like. Later on with the, the white couple and with how the police mm-hmm. treat things. Yeah. And there's a lot of times when it's very clear that, like, this is not a commentary on race. But they're not unaware. Yeah. Uh, for Michael O'Shea being the whitest white man who ever whited, yeah. he is very sensitive and obviously well-informed about this community to the point where he's not going to ignore it. Yeah. But it's definitely, it was never feels like it's the message right. of the film. It, it's present right. but not... Right, the message. Yeah, so I think it's just in terms of like, apart from the whole vampire thing, this is kind of a slice of life, and that is a that is a big thread. Oh, especially a big throbbing vein that runs through the slice. And I just fucked up my metaphor, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because I'm not feeling well either. It's okay. Uh, Um, So, but Sophie confuses me a little. I mean, she she's obviously you know the the love interest for the teenage boy. She's she's got her own issues. They, we don't really delve into why she's cutting herself when she's like been there a week. Oh, she was already cutting herself oh, before that, right? She was yeah, she has herself. definite scars all up. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I mean, we don't dig into. We know that she lost a family member as, as well. I think she lost both parents again. Mm-hmm. Uh, car yeah. accident was it? She doesn't say. Don't remember. Hmm. Yeah. She literally doesn't say. She just says they both died, and she yeah. obviously wants to have that conversation. She brings it up multiple times, and, and he, he is not wanting. Yeah, to have because that he doesn't want to talk about his own parents' death. I because mean, he mentions it, but. And he mentions it in a really bloodless kind it's of way. Bloodless, yes. blunt. Yeah. Just, it's there, it happened. And, she, and she, she even tries to be like, oh, I'm sorry. And he's like, man, it's fine, it happened. Right. And Well, that's also because he's a sociopath. But well, he's, I don't think he's a sociopath, I though. Think I think he's, he's repressing as well. You know, I yeah. think he has never been able to deal with any deaths in his family. I, you know, this is part of my story, is I definitely feel like it was... All four of them in the ha- in a house. Yeah. Some house. This apartment. Who knows? I imagine it would be that apartment because otherwise, like, those furnishings would have never been there. Yeah. <laughs> Wherever they lived. There were four of them. When yeah. dad died, 
is when Lewis was in a gang and he wasn't paying attention. So yeah. when his father died, he joined the military. Yeah. So he was gone. And then it was just the two of them, mother and son and younger son. Mm-hmm. And that's when whatever happened, when mom died, it was just him. Yeah. Which is why when Lewis came back, and I bet you mom never talked about dad's death. Oh, no. And probably all. never got over dad's death, which is why she killed herself. Right. Well, because she internalized the whole thing because she had children to take care of. Mm-hmm. And... So when Lewis got back, Lewis's response has been sit on the couch. Yep. Because you there is there's uh you can get out of an army contract if you yeah. have to take care of a kid. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think he was done. I think he was literally like someone has to take care of this kid. There's no one else now it's you. Yeah. And there's almost there's almost a certain element of last time I left this couch both yeah. my parents died. Yes. Right. My ass is going to stay here eating us so, and watching TV. So he's not coping well either. Yeah. No. He, I think where Sophie Nobody has, is coping has well. mourned no. her parents, yeah. but is now wanting to move on to the next step and accept their death and internalize yeah. it. And he has not even done that first step. He hasn't even right. really acknowledged yeah. that they're dead. Other than that, to him, once you're dead, you are so nothing. Right. Yeah. That it's not worth even talking about them ever again. Yeah. Well, I think that Sophie is also, she's kind of a romantic she in, a, in a very horrible way. Oh, oh uh, because she reads Twilight. Well, she, well no, it, no, no <laughs> not even that. It's, it's in a horrible it's, pop culture way. Yeah, it's a rom-com is, way. Because she is, you're right, mm-hmm. she's constantly presenting herself as, Oh, I am a female in distress. You can yeah. come and rescue me and yep. you can make you can take me away from here and then everything will be great. And that's actually when he mentions vampires to her, that's what Twilight represents for that for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is this notion that he is gonna And true blood. Yeah. And true yeah, I, right. And it's this whole idea that he he's gonna be the vampire who's gonna like swoop swoop her up into his fantasy and right. and they're gonna get away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She she wants a knight in chiming armor, or she's willing to take a vampire yeah. in, you know, moderately yeah. clothed armor. Right. Like right. she's 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 mutable, she's fine. So Rescue she, me. So yeah. the instant she finds out he has this fantasy, she tries to insert herself into it and she keeps and it kind of works for a little while. It does yeah. work. He, he kind of lets her like he warms up and starts acting like a normal person. Yeah, yeah. What I love about his responses to her throughout this movie is he never accepts the role of her knight. Right. He never does. Right. He never plays into her fantasy, but he is the most like best supportive friend you could ever have. Who's like, oh, you yeah. came to me and you're sad. You can stay however long you want. I'm not going to question you. I'm not going to make you tell me about it. Yep. I'm just going to be here. We can do whatever we need to do. Exactly. And, I, and here's your pillow fort. Exactly. Like I, I enjoy him for that. Is because at every turn, even though he is obviously into you know drinking blood and he thinks about killing people constantly. He is still being just the most supportive he could be to her. Just yeah. very supportive, very, I'm here, I want to help you. This is this is how normal people act. Yeah. And it's it's strangely emotionally mature right. for the entirety of the rest of his character. Oh, yeah. And it, it, it's one of those, you know, it makes him more flawed, it makes him more real, that he can be both emotionally mature and real emotionally immature. Right. Which is also where your question of whether or not he's a sociopath comes into play. Yeah. Because if he were a sociopath, he'd be like, okay, fine, whatever, and not he, do anything he to He never her. uses her. He never does. He never uses her. He never uses his brother. But she's also the only person that's really treating him like another person, too, because his brother is still basically neglecting him. But his brother, uh, he's trying. He, he tries to the best of his ability, but his ability is also hindered at the moment because not only is he suffering from PTSD from the war, but he's also dealing with the dead parent. So 
you know, there, there's a lot of uh, of emotional things going on on his part that are keeping him from from getting Milo to an emotional good place. Mm-hmm. So whereas Sophie comes in and she's just this ray of light, she's got her own problems, but Milo is perfectly fine. And Milo with, doesn't have to care about her problems. Exactly, he really doesn't. exactly. He is, she she desperately wants him to. He just yeah. has to care for her. Yeah, which he definitely falls for her. Uh, it's yeah. it's interesting. The real question, Alex's podcast question, is. Um, is the transfiguration Milo turning into a vampire, or is the transfiguration what love does to Milo? Um, I'm pretty sure it's the love part. Sort of. That's well. That's probably a little bit of both. Well, some the guy is literally vacuuming the street. Oh, you know, audience members. Today we have the fact there's someone actively like doing every kind of yard work in front of us. No, he's vacuuming the street. Yeah, he has like a leaf vacuum. We also have Podcat, who is just very excited about everyone in the li- in the kitchen. Yeah. So it's just being so happy and playful and wondrous and cat-like. Yeah. So so please mind our background noise. Andy will do his best to cut this conversation out as well as the background noise. <laughs> Ow. And if you donate at the street vacuum level, <laughs> if you the street, oh you fucking bitch! The street <laughs> for a mere two hundred dollars, oh. you can donate at street vacuum level. Oh, God. that will allow Bob to have more pain from his hernia oh, surgery. Oh, motherfuckers! Hate you. Go move forward. <laughs> so Sophie runs into Milo while he is walking home. She begins to talk about suicide, which Milo plainly states is against the rules, yep. and kind of leaves it as that. He then also talks about his mom's suicide, which was the best conversation stopper ever. Yep. Because she was so welcoming about her talks about suicide, he invites her to go see a movie with her. And they go and see... Murnau's Nosferatu. Yep. yep. After the movie, they talk about their dead parents, and they discuss vampire lore, where Milo reveals his entire history, starting with his finger touching blood, and then torturing animals onto people. He's sharing with Sophie on his, his own beliefs and his own what he thinks vampires work like and what he thinks he yeah. is, she is completely oblivious and no. brings up True Blood. She yep. really, like, she doesn't get it. He is telling her about himself. Yes. Mm-hmm. He is Literally. opening him, that is him opening himself to her. Completely. And she's like, um, I like saw vampires on TV and they're totally rad. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Milo then returns to the rule about suicide as she tries to bring it up again. Yeah. Yeah. The night ends with a kiss on the stairwell and the next day finds Sophie having discovered Next day is relative. I feel like this movie has no sense of time, so these could be day, weeks apart. To, yeah, to a lot what of the degree time. That, that, that there is time, the beginning of the movie is the end of the school year. Yeah, it the, goes through the whole And summer. the end of the movie is the beginning but of the But, like, year. how many days are between these meetings is right. very undiscussed. So it's like a sort of a twisted, murderous, abusive call me by your name. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then With straight Sophie has found where Milo's mom is buried, takes her, takes him to it, which makes Milo visibly upset, and he becomes obsessed with his book, unwilling to talk to her, unwilling yeah. to have any more conversation with her. And later, Milo pretends to not be home while he sits staring at the ceiling and listening to his vampire movies. Because, again, she yeah. found his mother, not because she actually gave a shit about his mother. She just wanted someone to talk to about her Well, and she yeah. wanted someone to go with her to see her parents. Yes. Yep. Which he's obviously not going to do, and she, she kind of drops that thread at that point. Yeah. Um, the, the next scene leads to Milo being 
stopped by a cute little white couple looking for some cocaine or some crystal meth. Or some Molly. Obviously, the black people are going to sell this to them. This is the most, like, this is obnoxious the most racist. racism moment <laughs> ever. Yeah. This is the, the most horrible casual, not even casual racism. Yeah. Just a overt... And explicit racism. I will I'm not say racist, man. that I, a that 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 scene does not progress how I thought it was going to. No, yeah. and and b, <laughs> it's a lot funnier than I thought it was. A lot funnier yes. and more yeah. brutal than how I thought it yes. was going to be. So Milo leads uh, this the the white man of the couple. Yeah, um, I don't remember his name. It's like Brad or something. It's the whitest at white name whoever whited um, leads him into the basement of their building. Yeah obnoxiously because like he runs and this guy just he really wants his molly yep yeah girl you can make crystal meth better than you took while on this boy right um where milo basically leads him into a trap where the gang members that have been torturing milo not the ones who pissed on him but probably all of their older brothers the older ones that his brother used to have yes they're, 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 the, the gang uh, the gang bangers the gang bangers from out front yeah yes i never mentioned them. i even hate using the word gang bangers well that's to, like, to like be fair, a step away yeah. from they're, super predator. They're not the ones right. who gangbanged Sophie. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> but leads them in there where they are working with a new younger member. Right. They proceed to beat the white guy half to death and then hand a gun to the younger member and tell him to be part of the gang. <laughs> he has to shoot the guy. Yeah. yeah. The kid does it, which no one in the gang thought he would actually do, and we're all confused why the gun was even loaded in the first place. Right. So then, yeah. To yeah. which the yeah. older member of the gang then has to put, you know, three shots in his head because yeah. overkill. Right. And run out. To which Milo doesn't touch the blood, nope. doesn't seem to care. Yep. It's the weirdest kill in the movie. Because it doesn't it doesn't match his profile. Yeah. Yeah. Not an older white man. And he didn't do anything. But he's also the one that gets picked up for it. He does. Well, oh, yeah. he leaves and sees the girl. The girl, yeah. Who the only person the girl knew was, was Milo. Right. Obviously, she calls the police. He gets picked up. We do kind of a jump cut to the police bringing him back. And basically, set, you know, dropping him off at the most obnoxious point and saying, thanks for the help, kid. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, they dropped him off specifically in front of the gang to yep. say exactly that, yep. to fuck with him. Exactly. Because he refused to speak. Because that's yep. what, that's, yeah, just total racist cop stereotype behavior. That's some total NYPD and it was, bullshit. And it was a black cop. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So he knew exactly what he was doing. Oh, of course. So that's. That kill is the weirdest to me. I, I don't know if Milo was hoping this kid was going to do something and that would allow him to kill him or what. I think that was actually just a a pure moment of this guy doesn't know where he is. Like, I'm pretty sure like, it was let's fuck with the white dude. Like this guy, this guy has no understanding of where he is and what he's doing. And Milo was just like, this guy's isn't like fuck this guy. Yeah. He deserves yeah. what he gets. Th this, is almost, this is almost if you want to make the argument that Milo is sociopathic. That's this your, is a sociopathic moment. That's oh, yeah. This yeah. is very much a moment where you're like, every other time you kill someone in this movie, every other time, it's yeah. purposeful. Except for this. The you other, were obviously just fucking with this guy in the most obnoxious way yeah. possible. Well, he's, right. he's, he's always been a very opportunistic killer, so How, maybe he thought he was going to get an opportunity to kill this dude? Well, I was I like, know. maybe he was I don't waiting think, for him to assault Milo I don't think this was the opportunity to kill him. I think this was also the, the opportunity for Milo to mess with the gang members. Well, and I see that. And I, I, but you see it more in, later on in the movie. And I, and I am one to always make that argument that, like, I love to give people just superhuman amounts of intelligence in movies where Milo maybe was setting up his chessboard like, maybe if I know the secret, I can use it later. Yeah. 
And he yeah. does use it later. Now, how he uses it is much different than any normal super intelligent person would right. use it. Well, but yeah, but again, it, it actually fits with a lot of the conversations that they've been having earlier in the movie. And but does, that's yeah. the ending of the movie, which we aren't talking about. Exactly. Just and yet. it's sorry. And there's actually a point in the end of the movie where there's a question about things that could lead to this moment. Yeah. Okay. So this could be the moment when Milo decides to do what he does in the end, right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or this could have just been a. I want a good chessboard. Let me create another piece. So this was basically him creating an extra queen. Yeah. He has it in his pocket. <laughs> Sorry. He's ready to go. And or this is the beginning of a very masterful, you know, Lex Luthor level plan. Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, I, I'm I'm thinking I, I'm thinking personally, knowing what I know later on in the film, that it's his Lex Luthor plan. I, I just don't know how to feel about it. I feel like this is a very I like it. I don't think it's a poorly written moment where yeah. in another movie it could easily be seen as oh, just yeah. a poorly written scene. Yep. I think it is just a kind of like, we're not going to tell you where this movie is going to go or what to think about these characters. Yeah. So here's another piece of a puzzle that maybe fits but doesn't really. Right. Yeah. I think it's, I don't know. I'm, it, I'm not but sure. it is one of those things that you're but never like quite it. sure. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it adds that question at the end. You know, the worst worst movie to think about this, there's so many better examples, but this is what I got. It's the inception moment at the end when he spun the wheel and does it fall? Is this still a dream? You right. know, and there's so many arguments and the internet has answered that question anyway till Sunday. But it's that thing. It's giving you that one little piece where it's like, we're not going to answer this for you. Right. Yeah. Why did Milo do this? You'll never really know. No. You can guess. Which is fine. I like... I yeah, guessing is perfectly okay. I, I don't need to have movies spoon-feed me everything. And... Um, I think, like, this was the one scene in the movie where they actually explicitly started to discuss race. A little yeah. bit. Um, yeah. They actually called out... They called out, like... White boy. Brad or Lance or Chad Leo. Yeah, whatever his name is. Or... Chadford. Dick Burt. His name is Dick Burt. Dick Burt. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, where they like they they straight up called uh, Dick Bird out, and like the gang, the gang guy is like he's an asshole throughout this entire oh, movie. Completely. He's not likable. No, but at the same moment, the minute he opens his mouth in this scene, I, I, you know what's coming out, and yeah, kind of agree with it. Like, yeah, this guy is a douchebag. Well, and yeah. um, so the, the important part to me is actually this moment is weird, but to yeah. me the important stuff is Sophie's martyrdom. Oh yeah. Oh, what about suicide? 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 And you know, I'm all for. Suicide prevention. Yeah. You know, anyone who's thinking of suicide, there's so many resources. You know, call the hotline, yeah, go to I'm Alive. She is very insincere. But about she it, is very much like, I still need you to rescue me. Yeah. When will you rescue me? Yes. Maybe this will work. Yeah. And she brings it up twice, kind of obnoxiously, because she stopped the first time because he was like, My mom committed suicide. And she's yeah. like, Oh, that's a sore spot. And then she kind of plays it again because I think she's wanting to talk about his mom's suicide more than herself. So that maybe she can lead into the conversation she really wants to have about her own parents being dead. Right. And he is not having it. Yep. And then when I love film choices, I love that we never saw him at the grave. Yeah. I love that choice. Yeah. I love the only comment we get is, should we bring flowers? He's like, why would we bring flowers? Right. Like, it's nothing. Like, this, he thought this would mean nothing to him, and it very obviously meant a lot more to him than he was aware. Yeah, or was comfortable yeah. feeling with. So, and I loved that. I loved the whole, I loved that there, you cut to them just sitting with him reading this giant book. Who knows why he even brought a giant book to the, the cemetery in the yeah. first place? Because he kind of lives in that book. Well, he lives in that backpack. Yeah, and he that does. Book is in the backpack. 
Yeah. <laughs> and and then even on the bus, like he is so like kind of fuck you, white bitch. Yeah. I'm done. You fucked with my life. Yeah, I'm done with you. I'm just gonna read this book and be done with you. Yep. And and she he ignores her. And I wonder if Lewis was sitting on the couch the whole time. He had to have opened the door because he knew it was a white girl the first time. Of course. Time. Yeah. Of course he did. But we didn't see it. So maybe he has like a stick where he can like open the door from the couch. I mean, there's also He got his reach-in stick. But you have to get up for the people. True, you do. We're trying to pretend like he never stands up. <laughs> well, I, no, because you see him standing up. He actually shows up in, in Milo's doorway at least once. Oh, he does, yeah. 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 So it's not like he's on the couch. But right, he, it's not like he's glued he to He didn't it. even get off the couch when Milo was vacuuming later. No. Right. When he, when he and Sophie he were cleaning his the legs house. up and turned the volume up on. By the way, he's always watching infomercials. He is. That's the other funny part. If you didn't catch that, oh, I didn't catch always that. the infomercials about how to like get into a better financial yes, place. They are always infomercials. That's fun. Every time you hear the TV, that it is, is so, an infomercial. That's so requiem for a dream, really. Yes. Yep. Yeah. He's just stuck on the couch watching like, on TV. Another infomercial another bleak movie set in Brooklyn. Yes. Pretty much. Mm. Um, so from there, anything else on that section we want to talk about? I think we covered it. Yeah, okay. I think we hit it. Sophie then confronts Milo for avoiding him and gives him Twilight and a peck on the cheek with a promise that he will read it, yeah. even though he is so not enthused by this concept. Yeah. No, because, well, the way that he engages with vampire stories, the way that he, the entire... Um, I'm sorry, I realize I'm stepping on your synopsis. The entire um, metric that he has for vampire stories is how realistic they are. That is literally the only measure of quality for a vampire movie or a story in yeah. his mind, is how realistic is it? Yeah, how much does it confirm his beliefs? Absolutely. Exactly. He is very much, in the most horrible way, the like super evangelical, Bible-is-literal-truth-Christian who mm. can only believe in things that validate your own existential beliefs. Correct. Right. And it's horrible to be that way, you know, for anyone. There is no, even if it's, you're an atheist in that way, there's no positive way right. to live in a world where you cannot imagine that anything could make your beliefs wrong. Right. Yeah. And that is kind of, and he does it for protection, you know, more than, say, to be spiritually righteous or anything. Oh, yeah. right. He doesn't evangelize vampirism, but yeah. uh, he definitely, like, he is not for it. Um, so from there, uh we see the full flashback. Well, we see most of the flashback uh, of where Milo um, found his mother having split her wrist open and he puts his finger in her blood and tastes it for the very first time. Yep. Mm. Um, we see his brother confront him about the police and kind of get on his back. And this is where we get the discussion about God, which Milo has no time for. Right. And yeah. money. Where we find out Sophie's dreams of leaving New York for Alabama yep. to find a better life in Alabama. Like which, Alabama? Yeah. Um, she has a cousin in Alabama. Yeah. Yes. I with mean, the that, dog, with Jelly Bean. Yeah, and right. I have, yeah, I agree. Like, first, like, oh my God, I just need to get out of New York and but go to really? Alabama and then everything would be okay. But then you're in Alabama. I know. Yeah. So this mm. is also where Milo states that he has a plan for the money. Yeah. So this is another one. If you want to talk about if Milo was planning this from the beginning... This is where he's, again, being very honest about oh. his intentions. Or maybe he has a whole separate plan. He obviously was collecting that money long before Sophie appeared. Right. right. So, also, by the way, that guy and couldn't have been his first victim because he had a lot of he money already. a lot already. of money in that bag. Very true. But, yeah, I know. I get what you mean. I just thought of that. I was like, oh, he put not a lot into a lot. So, you know, I don't know how many people walk around with cash anyway. That's true. Nowadays, so, who, who, yeah. Um, Milo then goes to a wooded area. 
And this is where the young boy with the ball, where Milo almost kills this kid. He certainly has that, um, he has that, that bad urge. Um, and I, I had the same thought, like, oh, is he, go- he's not gonna, he's not gonna. And then he hands, the, he hands the ball back. Yeah. He hands the ball, and which is good because. Ball, bitch. Ball. <laughs> Sorry. He hands the ball back, which was good because the mom was right on the other side of the woods. And yeah. it would have not worked out for Milo. Would not it have worked, worked out, out at all. Yeah. This would have been like the, the end for him at this moment. Yeah. Um, Milo then realizes after spending more time with Sophie that he completely missed his scheduled blood drinking for, I think we're in July at this point. Yes. Like a week. Yeah. yeah. He, he totally got... It's the 14th. The blood drinking was supposed to be on the 12th. 12th. Yep. So he is yeah. two days behind on this. And he doesn't seem to be as visually perturbed as much as he's confused. Um, yeah. Because he's actually... He's he's let her into his, into his, into his fantasy to the point where he's actually started to shift from this I stand alone, I am vampire guy to actually kind of getting into her thing about like well yeah maybe because it's 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 written on his written on his face like well i've got all this money maybe we just get on a bus and go to alabama yeah yes so and the uh, the last thing on the scene is that he you finally see the full flashback or you we can now piece together the full flashback yeah he not only tasted his mother's blood his mother's still moving arm was put right up to his mouth, and he drank from her wound. Yeah, uh, I missed that. Yes, that's that's it's a it's the brief moment he's thinking about drinking blood, and that is what he remembers. I yeah. never even noticed that it, that her arm was still moving. I just assumed that he. Oh, up. It, so it's very it's and subtle. It could no. be my mistake. So it could it's so subtle it could have been a mistake that I'm reading more into, but I'm okay with that. Listeners, yeah. what do you think? Send your comments by email with a fifty dollar donation. With one email donation, we too can feed a Bob during a podcast. <laughs> and if you donate at the $500 blood drinking level, I don't actually have any finishing for that sentence. That's too bad. It was a I great story. you both quit it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> if you donate at the $500 blood drinking level, that won't ever happen again. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I just oh. see there our episode on urban decay and 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 and, and grief and pain and is turning out to be pretty funny. It is Yay. Um, only because Bob is in pain and no. because NPR is the best joke. NPR is made. the best joke. <laughs> um, I don't know why. So I he walked in and was shocked. Yeah, and then saw the blood and said, Ooh, and "Okay, taste what, it. what's that? What's this?" And obviously he liked the taste. So he, if nothing else, I mean. The canon canon is that he both tasted a drop with his finger and then sucked right from the wound. Black pudding, by the way, is delicious. Mm. Oh, because there's blood in it? It's blood pudding. Yeah. It's pig blood, blood, isn't it? Yeah. Or cow blood? I think it it depends on what they make it with, but I mean, it could could be either. No, I've had black pudding. It's it's tasty. But Bob. Still didn't care for it. um, At the the blood pudding level, (laughs) we will make sure that your blood pudding is both non kosher (laughs) and Bob approved. Well, it's, pudding, it's blood, so pudding. it's not kosher anyway. <laughs> I know that. We'll make it extra non-kosher, though. We'll add in some, like, shrimp juice just to help. Is there anything else in this section? I, I, I really, just to kind of reiterate, I, I think that your headcanon is great, and I think it works. I don't think that's actually what was meant. Yeah, I, it's fine. Well, so. yeah, and I'm I'm always the author is dead guy, and, you know, I also don't... I generally don't argue with headcanon. Yeah, Do you, I don't feel like... I don't feel like... 
O'Shea has come out and said anything, really. Uh, I don't think anybody's given him a platform to come out and say anything. Well, there's yeah. He's like, I'm Michael O'Shea. I made this movie. Let me tell you all. Hey, where are you going? Where? No, it's a good movie. Are they, or like maybe like... He actually kind of looks like Doc Brown. I feel like he's the best Christopher Lloyd director ever. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, like, they, like BuzzFeed sends out like some kid with a broken Walkman. He's like... <laughs> To, oh, no. to like take his to take his notes. Oh my god! It's a broken Walkman that actually turns out to be like a notebook and a pen holder. Right. And if you donate at the broken Walkman level, <laughs> by the way, the broken Walkman <laughs> level is only a two thousand dollar donation. Oh fuck you both! We accept oh, we accept Apple. Visa, Mastercard, Amex, and PayPal, <laughs> but not Bitcoin. Ow, 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 ow. You stop laughing. We'll stop doing it. For Just Bitcoin, so you know. we need double. <laughs> um. So, Sophie comes over, distraught that her grandfather was beating her yet again, and she only escaped because the neighbors called the police. They watch a dumb YouTube video where you see Milo die inside. Oh, my God. It is so (laughs) bad. I've seen that video before. It's awful. For a child who we've seen dead on the screen for an entire movie, we actually saw him die further. Right. During that scene. And she was into it. She was completely into it. And he was just like, oh, my God. He gave an Oscar-worthy performance in that, like, two minutes right there of just, like, already being deadpan and then dying further. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Like... He did not know it could get worse. I know. God, then, imagine if they imagine if they just got him like cat videos. So, oh god. Oh. Mm. Um, they watched. They spent some time at the beach randomly, and he decides to let her stay over. Where's the chapstick? Oh my god. <laughs> um, left alone, Sophie goes through Milo's room, finding many of his old journals and writings. She reads through them, seeing his rules for hunting and being a vampire. She also finds his calendar and skillfully read the script to deduce that the circles meant killing people. Yeah. Or that could have been very clearly written in his rules. I'm going either way on this one. Or she could have been just like, oh my god, he menstruates? Yeah. Right? Oh, he's tracking my cycle. Which actually, you know, well. She then also finds his pen, which includes his knife. We've right. yet to see. We've only seen him fingering the pen up to this point. Yeah. True. Uh, upon returning home, Milo finds all of his stuff laid out on the bed and Sophie gone, and his brother having not moved to see any of the new things showing up on Milo's bed. <laughs> right. Whatever. It's like, oh, crazy white bitch ran out. She didn't say anything. Well, yeah, exactly. Whatever. That is seriously, that could have been his line. Uh, Milo <laughs> really leaves nearly was. to find her and instead runs into an abusive man um, that he begins to hunt. So that's the thing. By the music. Yeah. I don't believe that he actually goes out to find her. I think he, he goes out, out to hunt. specifically to hunt. Oh, I think he went out to find because her. Because he, but... he delayed, I think he delayed hunting for her. And then when he realized the jig was up, he's like, and it's, that's also, that's how he processes shit. It's when true. he starts getting to feel like, oh shit, it's time to go, it's time to go hunt. It's like, um, it's very Dexter. It it's is. like, uh, oh God, I forget. There's a story I heard somewhere about, it's like, um, like headhunter tribes. Like, oh, there yeah. are still some in South America. Of course. And when they get, um, and when they get really like emotionally like vexed, I think they actually call it legget. Um, you then they, they actually are like they have to go take a hit because that's the only way that they know to. Yeah, that's it's, the only way to really take care of this kind of existential anguish is to to go and take someone's fucking head. It's like bonobos and sex. Yeah. 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 You know, any anxiety, anything that could cause anxiety. Let's fuck it out, and then we'll deal with the anxiety. That's and the way I deal with anxiety. That is exactly why I can't go to Axis. Because <laughs> you don't want to fuck it out? Mm, no. Well, I mean, to be fair, Bonobos are all bisexual. Yeah. Yeah. It's, good, it's good for them. Really? I don't think they have sex with other animals. Oh, true. 
they might. I don't know. I don't know. Certainly not an there are actually, monkey. Expert. There are actually instances in the animal world because no, because there are actually. I think there's actually been observations of bonobos masturbating with other animals. Have there using I, other animals to masturbate? with. I mean, I would totally believe that's how they work out anxiety. Right? They're usually where where they come Here, from. Let me rub the squirrel on my dick. No, yeah. no, I think it's actually more like. <laughs> It's a zoo thing. Yeah. Because where they come from, there's... I think it's... Was it like a, like a dead fish or something like that? Like the... Oh, God. <laughs> well, where, where... Jacked it with... Just jacked... Used a dead fish as a fleshlight. The natural fleshlight. How they, yeah. they naturally evolved um, is where they, they come from. flesh dark. There's no is. one above them. Right. So they're allowed to live on the ground and kind of form better societies. So right. I don't think they have a lot of stressful situations with other animals in the wild. But in zoos, they could probably jerk off a tiger pretty easily. Like, probably. hey, buddy. <laughs> Red rocket. Yank, yank, yank. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, although that would be painful because tiger penises have spines. Yeah, well, cat penises have barbs yeah. on them. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just I, we were talking about the tiger. So <laughs> after hunting this abusive man, he breaks into his apartment basically, and a little girl appears, to which Milo, without thinking, knocks her over and kills her, and immediately starts drinking her blood, which he regrets because he jumps right up and vomits. Yep. Yeah. Um, All over that nice hardwood yes. floor. Yes. Oh, and by the way, the girl's body moves. Um, yeah. They did a bad editing job. Her body moves forward into yeah. the hall. Yeah. Um, but that's fine. He then goes into the drunk man's room, stabs him twice in the neck, yeah. and yep. goes to town feasting yeah. on that blood. Yeah, because yeah, actually he's not even just... He's like climbed up on him and his legs yes. are still kicking. Like, oh, yeah. Like, And Milo's legs are still kicking too. It's almost like he's way into it. Yeah. He then returns home shaking. He talks to his brother about what it's like to kill, but his brother has never killed anyone when he was in the military. Yeah. So yeah. Milo yet again has no one to discuss this with. Now is this where um is this also where I think this is where his brother really where Lewis really twigs that something's going on because that's when he kind of offers this sort of absolution. Yep. Yes. He's like what like whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. Someone out there is doing something worse. Yep. I Which think, is a really half-assed kind of absolution. It well, cuz this is also he's admitted to his brother that he saw the white guy get killed. Yeah. Lewis maybe has finally heard that no one knows why the white guy was there. Yeah. And maybe he's put some things together and he thinks that his brother is upset. For this, this the death of this, you know, right. drug addicted white person, right? Sure. You know, I, that's what that's just an assumption I would I would make, just because I can't imagine you would ever just go. Well, obviously you're killing random people and drinking their blood, so I will absolve you. Right, right. Go be with God, child. Say twelve <clears throat> hail marys. You that's know? exactly it. Like he's. He he thinks he's helping. Yeah, yeah. He, he's trying to help. He's, he's not very good at it. He's not very good at it at all. So I, this is where. I always kind of got that when it was hunt mode, the music would key in. Yes. Uh -huh. But this was the most exuberant use of that, where, like, literally you saw, you heard the music and you saw Milo's body change yeah. into that predator and kind of stalk after this guy, which most belligerently drunk idiot, like, oh, yeah. he could have been robbed all to pieces yeah. so easily. Thank God Milo wasn't a sexual predator. Like, it could have been so much worse for this drunk oh, motherfucker. Could have been. Like, could yeah. Have been. <laughs> I mean, dying is horrible, but like, it's just like anything could have happened. Dying and raped. And this is also where you have to acknowledge that Milo has a plan. Yep. Because yeah. he gathered things, he put them in this little girl's backpack, yeah. and he brought the backpack home. But yeah, that's, and his plan is not what. You think it is. No, is never what you think it so is. So much right. of this movie is not like what happens is not what you're expecting. Exactly. Right. And but 
and this whole scene is not what I was expecting. I, I mean, yeah, I acknowledge that you think he's dealing with it to like he's killing to deal with things, which right. perfectly good read. Which, I, and the I thing of it that. is, and I also see that he's un, it's unsuccessful. Like yeah. he's because he's trying to. Well, I think he made it worse. I agree. Yeah, because I think he's trying to. He he got yanked out of this little fantasy that he'd allowed himself to settle into with Sophie by her discovering that he was a murderer. Yep, and so he his so he he then tried to go back completely to being okay fine well she's gone i guess i can just go kill people again yep. that doesn't work it didn't it didn't do him the same way no he wanted it to but it he didn't right but, um, because, but he started having the feels right so so now yeah. like his armor is broken his girl is gone and he so that sort of sets up where he does and he where he goes from he there. does yeah. the absolution thing he like puts his life together and the next time you see him he's yep. back to stone yep. because he has absolved what his next steps are Wherever yeah. you think this plan started, this is where the plan was set. Yes. Yeah. Like, once once he he's in that with his shaky hands, I feel like that's the moment when he goes, well, this is what I'm going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. So, here we go. And at this point, again, we were usually really, really open about spoilers. I think at this point, well, granted, if you've, if you've gotten this far in without having watched the, watching the movie, first off, Why? Watch the but, movie. Yeah, yeah seriously. Wonderful. Just watch the damn movie. Um, just because I think this is an ending that is much more fun if you are blindsided by it. As so much of this movie will will have blindsided you if you watched the movie before you listened to it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So he runs into Sophie outside where she apologizes and tell him where she apologizes, saying that she didn't understand any of it and kind of yeah. brushing it all under the rug. You know, she's yeah. she's come to Jesus again. And he tells her that he has a plan. And kind of just leaves it at that. Yep. He then um, meets up with the leader of the gang that's kind of been verbally abusing him and bothering him. And hands him a bag and says this is a peace offering. Um, some stuff. Obviously that man had just enough money that it was worth something. Yeah. Um, and he goes to the police where obviously he tells the police. Yeah. And you see him actually knows. talking yep. this time. Yes. Um, he that that was one of my favorite moments of like him pulling up his dirty window so we can actually look out of it and yep. kind of going yeah. yeah. Now I yeah. you find out later that they were all arrested. I actually thought the police killed them. Shots were to, fired. Yeah, listening yeah. to the dialogue, I thought they were killed. Drop it, motherfucker. Yeah. Shots were fired. But when you when Lewis says it later, what he says is they were all arrested. Yeah, right. So I'm wondering, like, maybe shot but not killed. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I was just. Yeah, maybe these were actually good police who yeah. didn't you know, immediately kill the black people <laughs> exactly. they were trying to arrest. Uh, we or can maybe they hope. just maybe they just had stormtrooper aim. Could be. Um, Remember, so <laughs> they then go to Coney Island. They sit on the beach, and Milo immediately imagines just popping her in the neck and drinking her blood. Yeah. Zones out to the point where she notices. Yep. Um, where did you go, crazy eyes? Signs of panic attacks are zoning out. Yep. So Milo is obviously still dealing with a lot of emotional just upheaval yeah. where he's not functioning yeah. at the highest levels. Correct. And there's, there's still this moment, yeah, I think... That, Sorry, so, uh, returning to their apartment is when he gives her the bag of money and just says, go live your dream. Go. And she begs him to come with her. Right. Begs and begs, which, girl, don't take the man you just read all these books about hunting and killing people yeah. with you to your dream Alabama do you, world. Do you want to leave him, like, she, stranded in a also, swamp where nobody's going to find the bodies? She's living in Twilight. She, she does. does. She also wants to bring a black person to Alabama to come live her white life with her. Right? 
Which, by the way, that's not, that ain't I mean, work. fucking right. The, the, the South isn't horrible, but yes, it is. You ain't bringing a black person to Alabama like live with us in the white world, right? It's not quite how that works. I'm just saying. I mean, interracial relationships do happen in Alabama, but they are frowned upon. No, do not chew on that cable. Stop. Let's, let's put it this way: he would have a much easier time explaining that he kills people and drinks their blood in Alabama than he would explaining that yeah. he's been dating and having sex with a white, especially girl. white people. Yeah. Like he actually could probably make some good friends. In Alabama. Yeah. I'm there's some people. Right. If <laughs> if it was a white boy and a black girl, they might have a better yeah. they might sometimes, cope with it better. Sometimes. It's still bad. It's, black yeah. girls get real mean about that sometimes they do. too. They do. Um so at this point, Milo hears from Lewis that everyone has been arrested. They've all been blamed for the death of the white family in the village, which is when I 100% knew we were in New York. Yep. Like, I was questioning a lot of things before that, but I was like, oh, no, there's no village in right. California. This is New York. Um, there is. It's a retirement home. Exactly. So Jordan. at this point, Milo trashes all of his journals, takes destroys everything. He does try to reach out to Sophie briefly, just to confirm that she's really going to go. she's getting on the yes. bus. He yeah. wants to hear it. Milo is then shot down by the gang members, which you get to know because they call him Freak. Yep. Yeah. So they are part of the people who know him. No Freak. Yes. Pop, pop, pop. Yeah. Just killed. Sophie then finds a note among the bag of money that says... He read Silite, and it sucked. Yep. Wasn't very realistic. Not realistic at all. Not realistic at all. And then we get this brief moment where he keeps talking, but obviously since we saw her note, this is not from that note. Right. This is from his journal. Yes. Yeah. From when is the question, where he reveals that he thought about it and he found a way around the suicide rule, which is that if you set it up so that other people will kill you, it's not really a suicide. Correct. Um, so this is where we go, when did the fuck did he Hannibal Lecter that shit yeah. to where he knew? Yep. I'm pretty sure it was just after the white boy. The the the, 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 the white kid looking for drugs. After he got his queen back? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I don't I'm not sure about the when. I actually think like that 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 twilight note for me is like the most imp- the the most important part of the I think yeah. it's him admitting that Maybe some of this was him going, this has all been in my head and you took me out of my head. I think it's, yeah. I think what it is, is uh, what he was saying isn't just, oh, Twilight sucks. No. What he's yeah. saying is like, I, I tried to live, I tried to like, kind of like tease out your little fantasy idea and that's never going to happen. Yeah, that's yeah. not realistic. It like, wasn't going to work. It's not realistic. Like I, he's, he's, he can't actually live a normal life with normal emotions because he killed people and drank their blood and feels yeah. awful about it. Yeah. But he also, yes. neither can he go back to his vampire life either because that also sucks. Yeah. So. Meeting her and caring about her when maybe he'd never cared it before or since yeah. Yeah. his mother passed made it so that when he killed people, he cared about them. Well, he didn't even care about his brother the way he cared about her. No, he didn't. I mean, he he tried to connect with his brother on that same level, and his brother just went, I didn't kill anyone. And he goes, well, I can't tell you about what I just right. did. Yeah. Exactly. So I have to let you go. Right. You know, and yeah. I, it's, one of the interesting things in the movie is what happens to his brother? Like, mm. 
Yeah. You I know, mean, where does be, that go? I mean, he is absolutely without family. At this he's going to be gutted. He's, I mean, well, he's going to be gutted either way, though. Yeah. No yes. matter what. Even if, if he ran off and left his brother doing nothing. I or mean, if yes. he got caught or arrested. Yeah, however it works. Jail. And sooner or later, if he'd stayed and kept doing that, he was going to get caught. That's oh, absolutely, because he was not careful. No, he was, he was very bad. I mean, he left so much DNA yep. yeah. at that place. Like, I don't even know if they're going to be able to convict. The moment they test DNA, it's going to be false. Right. Yeah. So it's going to be like, you know, Yes, get sir. a competent lawyer in there. Right. Which, they, to be fair, they may not actually get. It's true. But, um, yeah. So I mean, fingerprints everywhere. Yeah. No, he, and I think the other, I think what she took from that note, owing to her personality defaults, because we never fixed her. Right. We yeah. never, we didn't TV this. We didn't full circle her back to healthy. Correct. No. She is still just as broken. She's going to go to Alabama and find someone else to be her knight. Yep. And yeah. do whatever they say. Or maybe maybe she will, maybe she won't. She she may I don't know. But 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 she's still a kid. I she think the important part she, she she is still a kid. She's resilient. And the important part about that is she is not in that abusive situation any longer. Yeah, she's at least she was at least given a chance. <laughs> she's right. out of harm's way. Granted, Alabama is itself an abusive you know, it's, situation. It really is. <laughs> it it's because it's Alabama. To, yeah, it, it comes <laughs> down to, you know, a big part of like when you counsel abusive women, like those hotlines that counsel them, it's all about empowering them. Yeah. They have to choose to get out of that situation. Yeah. And she chose, and he still awkwardly just being the best social worker for her ever, yeah. gave her her choice to get out. And then with that note, kind of allowed her to bookend him. Yeah, right. She, he, he didn't just disappear off the face of the earth. He told her, I kept my promise. I let you get away. Now yeah. you can let me go. Exactly. You know, you, and I think that he gave was, her closure. Yeah. It was the best closure of like, you know, she's not going to say, you know, he didn't love me or he didn't keep his promises. No, he read the book he did. that he very clearly never wanted to read and didn't want to deal with. Yeah. He yep. read it. He hated it. He he kept his opinions. Yeah. I, I, I love this movie. I, I love this movie so much on the second viewing. Yeah. I was ambivalent the first viewing. I like walked really? away going... I really liked it. I don't know how I feel. That's why I wanted to talk about it. And the second viewing, I'm like, no, I just really love it. I love it more. Yeah. I love it better. There is a lot to talk about and a lot to process and a lot to think about with yeah. this movie that I, I don't know if I could watch it again <laughs> because it's short. It is short, but it's also incredibly bleak. It's it's not something that I enjoyed watching. It's something that I liked Ow. watching due to content. But I did not enjoy watching it. Uh, so uh, what are you going to rate it, Alex? Well, I'm going to start with my haiku. And then you rate first. Okay. Yeah, you usually do rate first. Well, yeah, I do. And I say that, Bob. That's yeah. my thing. Yeah. It really is kind of... Yeah. It's, it's kind of it is kind so, of. Alex's haiku of the movie. Vampire boy alone. She brings love, not blood. Creating transfiguration. Oh, That's our new feature, kids. The horror movie haiku. <laughs> So, uh, so going going into the ratings. So wait, Bob. What? How would you rate this? Bitch? <laughs> oh, fuck you, um, Stephanie so, Meyer. Yes, <laughs> we've already done that one. Um, no, it's it's about Twilight. This, this movie does that. <laughs> it really does. It really is. It's a giant movie that basically just says "fuck you, Stephanie Meyer," and I appreciate it for that. True Blood um, was better, though. True Blood was so much better. Keep going. Great. Um, in terms of filmmaking, in terms of the story, in terms of how much it makes you think, um, not just about, you know, 
a, a potentially a sociopathic kid, uh, or at least one who thinks he's a sociopath. Some. Um, I mean, granted, he's a murderer, so obviously there's something going on. But, um, but there's also questions of race and of upbringing and of abuse, and it, it is a very bleak movie. But it, I think, on some level, it is also a very important movie to to look at those things and to analyze those things a little bit for yourself. It doesn't actually do it for you; it makes you do it for yourself. On that level considering that I cannot actually recommend to another person to watch this unless I absolutely know that they're going to be into this sort of thing. Uh, I, I give it a, a solid 4.5 out of five. Um, next abs. That's no, so many next abs. There <laughs> might have been 4.5. So, I mean, if we're um, counting the kid, um, but yeah, it, it's a great she, she's movie. She's the half. She's the half stab. I thought the half would have been the first one into the dad. <laughs> and then the second was the real dad. <laughs> okay. So this is like, um, there's a book called Something Happened. Mm -hmm. It's one of my favorite books that I have read, but not like I really enjoyed it kind of a book. And I recommend it to everyone. No one has ever read it. And my mom had this experience. She read that book in the 60s. In the 70s. She read that book in the 70s, and she spent her entire life until me, like five years ago, before I finally read it, to find anyone else who would read this book. (laughs) Right. Because it is like a very thick stream of consciousness book about a misogynist, racist, uh, horrible person, and who just works in middle management in like an advertising firm. Right. So like, I understand why people wouldn't read this book. Like, but... I think this movie is that same thing. So I've recommended this movie to so many people. You're the first two I've gotten to watch it. <laughs> the, the first two, because, you know, and you did it because of the podcast. It wasn't yeah. like if I had just said, hey, check. Well, Andy actually might have watched it if I had told him about probably. it. Yeah, I'd literally never heard of it. Yeah, before. exactly. But, like, I probably recommended this to Bob, and he was like, eh, maybe I'll watch it. Let's watch Hellraiser again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... Bitch woke me up this morning watching Hellraiser Judgment. Oh, please don't ever watch I that. You don't love it. yourself. I don't I want to see it. I, the only reason no, I needed to finish I, it is I because I started to watch it. It's awful. I don't want to pay for it, but I want to see it. It's yeah. awful. But that's why I want to see it. It's bad. It's bad. But, um, anyway. But no, so I, I think this movie is wonderful because it, it's talking about the things that we do to protect ourselves from whatever situation we're in. Yeah. And I think this director has a lot to say about this. Um, whatever he used to protect himself. And I love... I I love right now that there is... Especially with things like Black Panther and Moonlight winning the Oscar. There is a lot more people of color making movies. And movies that are really focused and not afraid of people of color. And yes. I am 100% for and all about that. And what I love about this movie is it was made by a white guy. With very good sensibilities. Yes, very much. It was a wonderful film about people of color that was not utilizing them as like some hand-handed message. It wasn't trying to tell us something about racism. It was just showing us their lives and showing us a kid, regardless of his skin color, who chose a way to shield himself from his pain and from his emotions. It's weird because it's tragedy porn, but not tragedy porn about race. Yeah. And and, and I... I don't even think it's really tragic. I, I wouldn't call it tragedy porn as much. You just you you really Bob. I mean, it really is a horror hates movie. Bleak movies. I do, and yeah. and Andy and I, in very different ways, really love bleak movies. I'm not sure. Well, I'm curious as to what the differences are. Well, I c- 
Cuso to me is obnoxiously bleak, oh. and that's why I didn't like it. Cuso to me is just a comedy. Exactly. So that's yeah. Yeah. so bleak. We 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 have a different interpretation sometimes. Sure. That's why the different way okay. is more of anything. I've never um, been a drama person. I love. I'm not that kind of drama. <clears throat> Sorry, that uh, no, okay. I'll be okay. I, like, I mean, if we're talking, Bob, go watch the piano. Fuck you now. See, you know. I, I've never really been a comedy person. Yeah. I love comedy, but yeah. I hate watching comedy for comedy's sake. Yeah. Like, I want my comedy to be from something else. Right. From some really deep pathos-ridden drama, and then you throw some comedy in, I'm all for it. Oh, yeah. So that's, I loved this movie. I mean, I I actually wish I would have remembered it when I did our tops and bottoms, because I think I would have put this in my tops. Mm-hmm. I easily give this a five out of five. Like, I would, I still will recommend this to anyone who wants to see it, and I will hopefully watch it again, though, with how many things I have to watch, God knows if I'll have the time. Yeah. So what about you, Andy? Um, it doesn't surprise anybody. I really liked it a lot. Um like I remember when Alex suggested it, he was like, "Andy, this is a movie you'll probably like," which means you'll, of course, you'll almost always hate it because that's no, that's, I actually yeah. really like every it. time I, every time oh. Andy and I suggest movies to each other, we're like, "I'll know you'll like this." We always end up both hating, hating it for some reason. <laughs> yeah. No, I that, well, I I really like this one a lot. It's kind of fun because as 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 it kicks off, you're like, "Oh my god, this is a Martin situation." Like George Romero. Yeah, it Martin. is very yes. much George Romero's Martin. <laughs> um, and then he name drops Martin he in does. the movie. He does. And I'm like, "Oh well." Yeah. Cool. Yep. All right. Very yep. sweet. Like so. There's a lot of title dropping in this one. Well, well so it love. makes me. It hey. actually makes me feel like really validated as a, a a person who like watches a lot of horror movies and and like knows enough. Like, I feel like every one of those little titles that he drops is such a little nugget for me. Like when he he mentions how good Let the Right One In is. Yes, yeah. he does. I love that. You know, my favorite like, thing. I want to befriend this kid. I think I actually used to know this kid. Like it's or you yeah. be this kid. Um, yes, yes, and yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. You were actually no. But this is my funny joke that I forgot to point out in the movie. Yeah. Um, and I was really trying not to interrupt your your point because it's just it's stupid digression. But if you look at the VHS tapes, yeah, they're all the worst unrealistic vampire movies that he made. Lost, Lost Boys, yeah, Blade Trinity. Yeah, oh, he doesn't even have the good Blade movies. It's, he has that one. Uh, um, right. I think Nadia. Yeah, no, there's just obnoxious. <laughs> like they are not the real. I'm like, what? Are the, is that why you hide your money behind those? Because Probably. you're never gonna touch them. Because exactly. no one's ever gonna touch those. Exactly. Yeah. I thought that was really funny, but yeah, keep going. No, that was really good. <laughs> so I like that. Um, the whole urban, the whole urban blights kind of thing. Like that's, I've seen that a, a lot in a lot of different movies. Obviously, Moonlight is an easy guess, not even a guess, an easy reference. Um, Ryan Gosling's movie Lost River kind of mm. does the same thing. It does Precious. it in a, it does it in a more stylized kind of way. This one's not stylized at all. Even that. What's the do the right thing? Is it the Spike Lee? Yeah. Oh yeah. Which I have never seen. I. I that's the same. That's. I, I've almost rented it, and that was that was it's, just, it's very good. That was, it, yeah. It's of course not horror written, but it's this kind no. of a story yeah. told you know in the nineties even. Yeah, and I've, I've. No, I liked it. Yes, it is. It is bleak. It's supposed to be, duh. Well, not duh, but like it is. And I, it's also, um, it's bleak, but it's dramatically satisfying. It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get yep, to the, absolutely. when you get to the end, it, you realize that that is a completely logical, reasonable, dare I say, realistic ending. It could have ended no other way than, than it did. Yeah. yeah. I will say that if that kid said realistic one more time, I was going to punch him. Well, no, but that's how, that's, that's, <laughs> I know that's, that's how that's re- that was so important to him. It but was. that's also how 14 year olds talk. That's, yeah. a, that's how me and my idiot 14 year old friends were talking about comic books and mutants. And right. Horror because movies he doesn't have the vocabulary and, and Hellraiser and realistic. It was like 
a lot of our metrics there too. Yeah. So well, it, it felt really like yeah. very it true. did. And it when, did. when you hear realistic, you have to hear me. Yeah. Yes. Realistic every time just meant that's not how I'm a vampire. Right. So that's really exactly. what it was. It was very much. It's one of those moments when you like bring up a subject that should not offend someone, but they get really offended, and you're like, "Oh, this is because you've really personalized this subject in some yeah. way that I have no idea why and cannot spend the time dealing with." And that's a exactly. subject that I, really we haven't talked about. We could do a whole podcast about that subtext yeah. of fandom and the way that people engage with what they consume, the way that they identify with it. Yeah. It actually becomes the fact that you watch the the fact that. Milo watches all of these vampire movies is a part of him, yeah. which is why fans of whatever media it is on the internet get so pissy when you say you don't like it because they feel, because they're morons, that you've rejected them. Mm-hmm. You've rejected yeah. their whole worldview. And this is why fan arguments happen all the time. And which, which is why I will always say Fandoms. your mileage may vary. I mean, you're, you're allowed to feel the way you feel about whatever you're feeling. Yeah, like, you, you not liking something has nothing to do with my enjoyment. Absolutely. You know, like... And, and in some cases, it enhances my it, enjoyment. Exactly, <laughs> yes. and, and I think that's, that's an important thing that, that kind of differentiates the people who are able to have these kinds of conversations that we do every week and yeah. versus the people who cannot. Who, Absolutely. They, like, I had, a, I, had a, I had a very... Well, I have. We're still friends. He's not going to ever listen to this, but I have a very good friend who we would go see movies together all the time for the longest time. And end of the movie, we'd be, like, driving home together. And I would say, oh, what do you think of the movie? And we'd start to talk about it, and he'd be like, it was good. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. but, like, I, I had a problem with this, and I thought that was weird. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, like that and, was like, and he would get like mad that I wanted to question the movie, or even just like pick apart the movie, or yeah. or like look at how the movie was put together. Exactly, and I'm just like, yeah. no, that's what you do. You have to be able to talk about it. And so it got to the point where I almost didn't want to see movies with him because I'm like, no, this is. I need to be able to have a dialogue about the movie. Like, exactly. I don't go see movies with people because I really like sitting in a dark place together with them. I go because then we can talk about it. Right. Then Bob and I can make a stupid joke about the name of the sequel being Pete and keep it running for eternity. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's also... That's, and that, oh, that sort of gives rise to that to the, the thing that I always have been told so much of my, when I would try to engage with movies like this. Dude, whatever. You're just supposed to turn your brain off and watch the movie. Just, just enjoy the movie. And... But this like, is how I enjoy movies. <laughs> I enjoy movies by picking them apart. I, I will say, uh, you are correct. I love picking a movie apart. Yeah. Absolutely. But there are times when I'm just, I'm going to shut my brain off. There are times when that is appropriate. My brain doesn't shut off. I, I get Mine that. Mine doesn't either. I yeah. get that. Even when I'm watching something like Kimmy Schmidt that I've seen a hundred times because I just cannot stop watching that show. Right. Yeah. Love it so much. I still, like, have. The, I just I just utilize it to, like background noise and I do yeah. something else. See, I wanted to do that with Hellraiser. <laughs> I wanted... There ain't nothing I'm, there. I'm going to totally see this movie and report back. You go it. ahead. But man, there's nothing there. Um, not good. I'm okay so, yeah, just, for, just on that level, like, um, th- this movie really, really just connected with me, like, home run style. So, um, uh, unlike Bob, I'll recommend it to anybody because I don't really care whether you like it or not. You should see it. You yeah. should see it so that you know what it is. You should yeah. so that you can look at it uh, so that you're thinking about it, even if what you think is, oh, this movie's slow and boring and I don't like it, uh, it has black people in it, whatever, I'm making up total straw men. Yeah. yeah. If you don't like it, cool, great, just watch it anyway. Just just, just watch it, experience it, and if it's a good experience, great. If it's a bad experience, also great. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that, in that uh, spirit, I give this movie five out of five blue balls. 
the the ones that came down to roll under the bridge, not not blue balls. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> by the way, I give it five out of five couch surfers because um, Lewis and all of his friends. Yeah. And uh, oh, fuck. And listeners, if you donate at the blue balls level, the blue ball, <laughs> if you donate at the blue ball level, the three of us will produce the song "Blue" from Heather's the musical. <laughs> God damn it. Remember to PayPal us at where can they contact us? <laughs> if you guys need to contact us, lay eggs in our brains, stab us in the neck and drink our blood, you can email us at bob at candycoatedrazor.com. You can visit us on the web at candycoatedrazor.com. Hit us up on Twitter at, at candyrazorbob and find us on Facebook by searching for candy coated razor blades. And you can contact me by finding me on Twitter at um Zanman Horror Fan, that's X-A-N-M-A-N Horror Fan. Or you can email me all of your hate mail at podcasthorror at gmail.com. <laughs> also, those people who followed me on Twitter, I don't think it's from the podcast because they never said anything. <laughs> but if you just didn't listen to the last couple episodes, tell me. Tell me about it. I really want to know if it's just <laughs> random people or if it's someone that's listening. <laughs> <laughs> And as always, please don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you happen to be listening to us. You are our listeners, and we love you unconditionally. Except please give. Please <laughs> open your pockets for us. Well, we cannot continue these podcasts. Um, don't actually do that. Yeah. No, yeah. If you want to give us money. Wait, I mean, if you want to give us money, great. Stop people. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we can always use better equipment. I don't remember if there's anything else I have to say in my spiel. I got caught up. You can't find Andy on social media. Well, I'm on Facebook. But he is on Facebook. But... He is on Facebook. Yeah. So yeah, if you really, if you're really that shit all horny that you want to talk to me, that, that sounded weird. Oh, if you're really all that interested in talking to me, you can find me on Facebook. I'm there. You should plug uh, your most recent book you released. Except I don't remember what my most recent book is. Okay, plug that one you put that post about that that guy almost got an accident for. <laughs> oh. The one that I almost killed the author? Yes. <laughs> okay. I will actually, this is the one time I will actually talk about my audiobooks on the podcast. Okay. So um, I do audiobooks. I do like a mostly gay romance audiobooks because, well, why not? Um, there's a book I did called Anti Up by Kim Fielding. Um, uh, it concerns vampires, hence it is, I guess, technically relevant. <laughs> uh, it's, it's like a 180-year-old Croatian vampire who lives and hunts in Vegas, who meets up with this dude who happens who turns out to be a half-elf. The vampire establishment in Vegas wants him for their very own. It turns into a road movie and adventure and stuff. Uh, at one point, I inserted a joke of my own into the recording that I never actually expected to make it to the finished product, but it kind of did. And so I found out on Facebook last night that the author of the book uh, was listening to it and almost killed herself in a traffic accident because she was laughing so hard at the joke. Uh, so to Ms. Fielding, I apologize insincerely, uh, but I'm glad you liked it. Um, so, yeah, there's there we go. That is that is the only time you'll ever hear Andy plug one of his books. I mean, it's OK, because I'm, I'm pretty sure the Birdwoman podcast almost killed uh, Jason. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> he was driving when he listened to it. He's oh. like, a canoe of hair. <laughs> On that note, kids, bye. Bye. Oh, God. I can't <laughs>